Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. You're coming into a great season of territory taking, of harvest, of um, productivity and God is gathering people, gathering people of uh, like heart, uh, who are sharp, who are people who can contribute to the building of this house. And uh, I just felt like Joshua 3.6 was in my heart as complementary to that. Consecrate yourselves for, to, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And you know what? Um, uh, we're living in interesting times. As I travel around overseas, um, I, I encounter and bump into uh, lots of different things uh, happening all over the place. And then you see on the news... And, you know, it's not a time to sort of be complacent. It's not a time to be lethargic and apathetic in your faith. It's a time to take territory. It's a time to go after some things in God. If you're going to do it, now's the time to do it. Don't think you've got another 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years, because we may not. Um, what you've got to do is do what God's called you to do now and watch what God does. So, Father, we just thank you as we come around your word for a few moments. We thank you, Lord, that you're a God who speaks. You're a God who encourages. You're a God who reveals. I ask that you would come, Jesus, and be the prophet, be the teacher let the spirit of prophecy rest on me, rest on this house. Let it move into everything that you have got for it, Lord. That I, I just feel the prophecies and the promises declared in the past will be reaped in the present. The prophecies and promises declared in the past will be reaped in the present. What you've sown in the past, even the tears, you're going to reap in joy in the present. And so, Father, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> I'm um, a little bit husky today. Uh, we um, ha- had our Youth Alive event <laughs> yesterday. I'm finishing up as a Youth Alive director in a couple of months. Thank you, Jesus. And, um, <clears throat> and uh, my life is now back. Um, so, uh, but we had, five, we had 600 teenagers. I mean, just six teenagers is enough. But 600 of them in a room, and we did five sessions back-to-back and preached them and encountered them into the ground. And, uh, and so I'm just a little bit weary today. But God is good. Uh, Ezekiel 37, 1 to 10. Would you turn there with me? Ezekiel 37, 1 to 10. The Valley of Dry Bones. It says in verse 1, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones and he led me around among them and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel answered, O Lord God, only you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over the bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God uh, to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live and I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold, a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked and behold, there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. 
Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. I want to speak to you today on this idea of from death to life, from death to life. Um, Some of you would have heard me tell this story, Uh, many of you wouldn't have, but um, two days before Christmas in 2001, my father called me to tell me that my 14-year-old sister at that time had attempted suicide. And she was on a life support system in, in uh, uh, Box Hill Hospital. And that was a rather distressing phone call to get. And all sorts of questions come into your mind and heart. My wife and I, and uh, we went to the hospital and um, walked into the emergency unit. And there is my sister, uh, doctors working on her. They looked rather nervous, which is not always comforting and, and encouraging. And uh, her blood pressure is dropping. They said they may, she may not survive the night. She'd taken about, I don't know, 40 of my mother's heart tablets, of which um, sort of a few of them would probably, too many of them would send you into cardiac arrest. And so they were really fighting for her life. And there was nothing in that moment, in the natural, that I had from a medical expertise perspective to change that situation. I didn't know what to do. But what I did have was faith in a God that takes dead things and dead people and brings them back to life. I am utterly convinced of that. That is not a preaching cliche. That is not something you say because we're in church. I have seen enough. I've been around enough. I've seen enough miracles to know that we serve a God that brings dead people and dead things back to life. And so my wife and I and my mum and dad, we went into a room, we started to pray and, and that went for some time. And then the, the doctors came in and said, we don't understand, but the blood pressure is coming back up. Her vital signs are changing. They go back. We keep praying. Several hours later, the doctors come back and say, um, uh, we don't understand it. We don't get it. I'm like, we understand it. We get it. And, 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 but She's not only off the life support system, but she seems to be completely okay. All of her vital signs are stabilized. She's conscious. She's asking for you. We walk into the room and the first thing she says to my dad is, Dad, can you get me some ice cream? And uh, everyone knows that when you're asking your mum and dad for ice cream, everything's going to be okay. And uh, to this day, there's no damage to her heart. There's no damage to her mind. Even though the devil had made an attempt for her life, God wasn't finished with her. And I would encourage you to never give up on your kids, never give up on your loved ones, never give up on those that are far away from the Lord, those that are going through tough seasons, because God is never finished with anyone. He is always working. He's always uh, moving. He's always stirring. He's always doing something. If the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you, He will also not only give life to your mortal body, but you've got to understand something. As you make uh, contact with people in your everyday life, if the Spirit of God, the Spirit of life is in you, you impart life into the dead places, dead situations, uh, dead in environments, dead spirits because of iniquity and sin. You impart life everywhere you go. And so here is the prophet Ezekiel and he finds himself in the middle of 
a whole lot of death in the valley of dry bones. 588 BC, the Syrians and the Babylonians have invaded the nation of Israel. They've brought their value system. They've brought their culture. They've brought their customs into the nation of Israel. And all of a sudden, God's people that once worshipped Yahweh are now worshipping the false gods of Syria and Babylon. And all sorts of crazy stuff is going on. It's spiritual and moral chaos and in the midst of it God comes to Ezekiel the prophet and he finds himself a man who he can use to be a prophetic voice to that nation to begin to prophesy life in the middle of a valley of death and one of the things that Ezekiel had to be convinced of was that God's hand was upon him that God was with him and it says in this uh, first verse, the, the, the hand of the Lord was upon me. I just want to say to you today, I felt like God put into my spirit to say to you this morning, God's hand is upon you. God's hand is upon this church. God's hand is upon your life. God's hand is upon your, your, your gifts and, and, and what you put your hand to in the workplace. And if you aren't convinced of that, when you encounter contradictions, when you encounter paradoxes, when you encounter death around you spiritually or otherwise, you could be overwhelmed by that rather than being the change agent that actually brings life into that dead situation. Sometimes we do doubt that God's with us. Is anyone like me sometimes very unspiritual and just feels sometimes like, God, are you really here in this situation? Do you really care? Is your hand really upon me? And the devil comes to us in those dark times and he says things like, God doesn't care about you. God has forgotten you. You are all alone. And I've just learned, you've got to remember in the dark what God told you in the light. You've got to remember in the contradiction, in the paradox, the call of God, the, the Word of God that He put in your heart when life was good, when things were going well. You know, sometimes I find myself in environments and atmospheres and on platforms where it's quite intimidating and I can get a little bit insecure. And when I was facing that season with mum passing, uh, unfortunately, my sister uh, was incarcerated and all sorts of crazy stuff was going on. And I was supposed to be overseas in three different cities over those three weeks. And, and I had to cancel all that. And it's all done. And I'm like, God, where are you? And all I got was, Corey, I am with you. But you know what? That was all I needed. Sometimes you don't need an intimate, sort of specific, detailed, prophetic word for your life. All you need to know, God's with you. And when you get convinced of that truth, when you begin to understand that truth, it changes your perspective. It changes your approach to the contradiction of what's happening in your world. You know, God said to Moses, when Moses said, who am I going to say? Who am I going to say who sent me? What am I going to say about Who's telling me this? And he said, I am. Gee, thanks, God. I am with you and I am sending you. Then he comes to Joshua a little bit later on and says, as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. Then he comes to the disciples and he says, uh, it's for your benefit that I go away, but don't worry, I'm going to be with you because I'm going to send a helper, the Holy Spirit. 
And not only that, but I'm going to be with you, behold, always to the end of the age. And then he comes to you and I and he says, activate church. He says, you as an individual, you as a family, you as a, a married couple, uh, I am with you. I, am, I haven't left you. I will never forsake you. My hand is upon your life. And the reason why you need to be convinced that God's hand is upon you is because God often puts us in the middle of death so we can bring life. Life was not just meant to hang out with life. Life was meant to hang around death and change it. You see, the passage says, He brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones and He led me around them. There were very many on the surface and they were very dry. Prophet Ezekiel, the Spirit of the Lord brought Prophet Ezekiel out. He's in the middle of dry bones. It's death all around him. It wasn't the devil It wasn't bad pizza. It wasn't Miley Cyrus that brought him out in the Valley of Dry Bones. It was God, right? It wasn't something bad, negative. It was God. It was the Spirit of God that brought him out. And sometimes what you and I do is we rebuke the devil and we complain at the devil and we lose our voice shouting at the devil and we come against the devil and we wage against the high forces in the heavenly realm. And the devil's in the corner going, it's not my fault. I am not the author of your valley of death. God put you in the middle of the valley. Now, God doesn't send pain and suffering your way. Get that thing out of your head. That's a false doctrine. It's a doctrine of demons. He would be an abusive father. But what he does do is in the midst of the contradictions of life and the fall of humanity and the brokenness of this planet where we're all going to face tribulation at some point or another, in his sovereignty, he may allow it, but he has a purpose for the pain in the midst of it. And so when you find yourself getting mad at the devil, getting mad at life, getting mad, it could be that God actually wants you in His sovereignty to be in that place, not to suffer through it, but to shift it and change it and become someone greater in it. See, I have people come to me sometimes, you know, uh, some young people come and say, oh, uh, Pastor Corey, can you pray for me? School is so hard. It's such a tough environment. Can you pray for God to take me to another school? And then someone will come up to me and say, my job is so hard, or my family's so hard, or my marriage is so hard. Can you pray for me to sort of, you know, get a new job and get a new situation? And I think to myself, okay, but did it ever occur to you that God actually wants you in that valley of death to bring life to to it, to prophesy life. We're always wanting to escape the pain and suffering and for good reason. There's no one here in their right mind today going home, praying and fasting for pain and suffering and weeping and gnashing of teeth. If you are, come down the front, we'll cast that out of you, right? I don't think there's anyone who's that. And we don't want it. We don't, but, but, but sometimes God allows us because of what not only He's doing in us, but what He wants to do around us. I was preaching in Sydney and the pastor introduced me to a young believer at the end of the service. And to cut a long story short, this guy was in a secular workplace witnessing to the boss and customers and was told off and said, don't talk to me about God. Don't talk to the customers about God. What you do in your own time is what you do. 
and he got disheartened by that. He's a young believer. Uh, he doesn't understand much about, you know, maybe wisdom in times and seasons, time to speak, time to be silent, all that sort of thing. He's just going for it. Well, he turns up to the workplace a few weeks later and his boss, is, who is eight months pregnant, is in her office and she's crying. And she's sobbing at her desk. He walks in and he's like, is everything okay? She said, the doctors have just checked the scans of my baby and my baby has died within my womb. There's no heartbeat in my baby. And uh, they've tested and retested and they've confirmed it. And I'm, I'm devastated. And this young guy, he, he doesn't know protocol. He doesn't know, you know, do I, do I just, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that or pray a comforting prayer. He just says, look, can I pray for you? And she's like, yeah, I would like that. It's amazing how open people are to prayer when they're going through pain and suffering. And so that's why you've got to go the journey with people because someone you're looking at right now who's prosperity and blessing and it's all turning over and everything's going great. You don't understand. If you just walk out the journey with them, there's going to be something that they're vulnerable and they open up their heart to you. And it's in that moment you can begin to bring life to death. And so he just puts, he, he just, this young kid, I'm like, oh my gosh. He puts his hand on her tummy and starts prophesying over the baby. Now, by the way, for protocol, don't do that, all right? But he did that. And I'm like, wow, that's intense. And so he's got his hand on the lady's tummy, but she's sobbing. She doesn't care. And he just starts to call the baby back to life. True story. She comes in the next day, the next afternoon for more tests that next morning. And she comes in after the test with the biggest smile on her face he'd ever seen. And she said, quickly come into the office. And he's like, what? And she's like, the baby's heartbeat came back. Would you believe it? He goes, yep, that's what I prayed for. And, 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 and she's in there and she looks at him and says, anytime you want to talk to me about Jesus and anytime you want to talk to the customers about Jesus, you go right ahead. He led that boss to the Lord, brought her into a relationship with Jesus because someone decided I'm in the middle of dry bones. I'm in the middle of death, but I'm not here to succumb and submit to the death. I'm here to change it. I'm here to influence it. I'm here to bring life in the valley of dry bones. You can't raise a dead person up if you never attend a funeral. What am I saying? If you don't hang out with dead people, how can you bring them back to life? I mean, Jesus, He said, I didn't come to call the righteous I came to call sinners. I came. He hung out with all sorts of dead people. You never invited Jesus to your funeral or to your family's funeral. He always interrupted it. If you wanted to mourn your loved one, you don't invite Jesus because he interrupted everyone he attended. Because he just, life, when you're full of life, you can't help but that life get out on top of other people and, and start to leak out and branch out and, and reach out to other people. I tell you, the life in you, this is why I hear the Spirit saying, there's life in this church. There's life in you. But life isn't meant just to hang out with life. Or light's not just meant to hang out with light. Light is intended for darkness. Life is supposed to hang around death. And rather than being intimidated by that, you start to influence it this is the next season of what God has for this church 
This is the next part I see of what God is going to cause us to do is to become bolder than we've ever been before and begin to turn the light switch on in the midst of darkness. It's going to cause you a little bit of mild stress, a little bit of discomfort, make you a little bit, feel a bit awkward and like you're not super cool in the in crowd, in that dark environment. But who cares? You're a representative of the kingdom of God. You're a son and daughter of the king. You're a citizen of another heavenly realm and you've been appointed and anointed to shift things in that dead environment what do you do when you're in a valley of death Ezekiel will tell you you prophesy life you just begin to prophesy life Bible said that God said to Ezekiel prophesy over the bones hear the word of the Lord you see you've got to understand something there's power in your confession there's power in your words when you testify to the goodness of God in your life, what He's done in your life, you are prophesying that potential miraculous reality for somebody else. God does not want us to have the mute button on. Have you ever tried to watch TV with the mute button on? It's incredibly boring, right? And you're there and you maybe do something in the background, don't want to be distracted, but you've got the TV on. You can't, don't really know what's going on. You're sort of seeing something go on, but you can't hear the power of the sound. And yet, oftentimes in the church and we say, well, people will just see us and see our good works. But the Bible says, how will they hear if someone doesn't preach to them? So it's not just enough to do good works and hope that one day after 50 years, your workmate's going to go, is there something different about you? No, no, that's not what it's about. But some of us, we keep our faith so private because the culture, the spirit of the world right now is on the attack against the faith, the, the, the faith in the kingdom of God and, and the spirit of faith in the church where we are under attack. If you don't know that, aren't aware of that, then wake up, oh sleeper, and rise from the dead yourself because we are under attack. This is not a time to just compartmentalize your faith to Sunday morning, Sunday night and rehearsal during the week. This is a time to understand that God is separating. He's shifting the, the wheat from the chaff and he's wanting to see the salt and light begin to rise up in the circumstances and in the environments and in the context of this valley of dry bones and be known not just for our good works, but for our confession. Give a reason for the hope that you have. Give a reason for the hope that you have. I remember Baron couple a couple been married for 10 years three miscarriages they uh came up to in the prayer line and said pastor pray we want a word that be able to have kids I'm like gee thanks no pressure and so I'm there and we start to pray this is years ago and, and God showed me a picture of this couple and, and, and me on the stage of the church I was at at that time uh holding this baby and and dedicating their baby boy to God in 12 months time I saw this timeline this picture and I'm like God what do I say but I've learned over time to test that word to test how God speaks and I'm like all right launch out in the deep God give me wisdom how I articulate that and I just began to share that word well I began to pray over them prophesy life in a dead situation they came back a few months later hey we're pregnant can you stand with us in prayer to believe this time we're going to come to full term and give birth to a healthy beautiful baby 12 months to the month I'm standing on that stage dedicating that baby boy to God because someone decided God I'm going to tap into heaven's resources 
In a dead situation, give me wisdom how I approach it. But Lord, I'm going to speak life where there is barrenness. And 12 months later, there was a miracle. I want to tell you, sometimes what we do is when we face challenges and difficulties, we look to our resources. We look to what we have or don't have in the natural, in our logic, in our education. But when you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, you have a wealth of resource to you that is available to you that you have got to tap into and access. And it's almost like I've got a picture right now of vast treasure chests and vast treasures stores in heaven that are remaining untouched because God's people are reliant upon their resources and what they can do in the natural rather than heavenly resources. And by beginning to exercise your faith, you'll begin to tap into those resources to change the dead environments that are around you. Is this helping anyone today? As you open your mouth, keep in mind this one thought. Truth will accomplish nothing without the breath of God in it. Now, that's going to mess with some of your thinking. Because some of us think, you know what, well, if I just say truth, if I just speak truth, then because it's true and it's the Word of God, it's going to work. Well, yes and no. Because here we have in this um, encounter... Ezekiel prophesied and the bones started to rattle. All the bones are starting to connect together. Then flesh starts to come onto the bones. But there's a problem. There was no breath in them. There's no life force of the Spirit. There's no ruach, breath of God in the bones, in the bodies. A human breath, a human body should I say, without breath in it is like truth without spirit in it. The structure is there, the content is there, but there's no force, there's no energy, there's no power. If if it was only about preaching sermons, preaching truth, the church would have got the job done centuries ago. Because we've had incredible theologians and teachers and preachers, far better than me, uh, as amazing as Pastor Ben, he's far better than Ben. Over the years, theologians, I know that's hard to believe, but theologians that, that, that have, have, have understood mysteries and revelations and unpacked that so well, and some of that's been so helpful, but also often there's been a whole lot of truth telling, truth teaching, but there's been no life of the Spirit in it. And so it's not enough just to say, I'm just going to get out there, open my mouth and, and, and quote a scripture and share a truth. There's a whole lot of people in America with placards right now with a whole lot of truth on it, but there's no love behind it. There's no spirit in it. There's no life force of the energy in it. You see, we need to not just be truth speakers and truth tellers and prophesying live, but we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to, every, every day, Paul said, be filled, present tense, with the Spirit. Don't get drunk on much wine, but get drunk on the Holy Spirit. 
be overcome, be inebriated, be overwhelmed with the Spirit and the presence of God. I've just learned when you open up your mouth, when you are full of the Spirit, that the truth has so much more impact and force. Otherwise, it can feel like you're just like a sledgehammer against a brick wall and you're pounding away and pounding away and nothing happens. But when there's life in it, when there's Spirit in it, when there's energy in it, it begins to chip away in people's hearts in a way that just truth-telling would never do. We need the breath of God. It's not just truth we need, we need truth on fire. So I would say, read your Bible, know your Bible, study your Bible, get your doctrine right, get your theology right. Just make sure you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And that comes back to your intimacy. And listen, there's no two ways about it. I've tried everything, tried all the methods and the systems. There's no two ways about it. The only way you get more closer to the presence of God and the intimacy of the Spirit is you create time for it. You can't just be busy and give two minutes and think you've got enough in the tank to be able to get the job done. You have got to create space and just immerse yourself and soak yourself in the presence of God. Soak yourself in the Scriptures. And as you do, watch what God begins to do. You see, our generation, the generation we are currently uh, in is a valley spiritually of dry bones. But here's the good news. Here's the encouraging encouragement from heaven. The Holy Spirit is taking you and He's taking me. He's taking us to them because this is the issue. The Valley of Dry Bones today is the army of God tomorrow. The Valley of Dry Bones yesterday is the army of God today. And the Valley of Dry Bones today is the army of God tomorrow. You know the dry bones right now in the schools in this region is the youth ministry of tomorrow. The dry bones in your business and workplace is actually the army of God. This church tomorrow. How's this church got here? Is how, how did it happen? Not because of necessary people, but because there, there was a, a purpose of God that He put in people to turn a valley of dry bones in people's lives into an army of God. I love what it said that Ezekiel prophesied as he was commanded, the breath of God, the Spirit of God came into them. They lived, they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Do you know when we planted this church back in April 2nd, 2006, that seems like a long time ago. It's not, but it, 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 it is. Uh, so, um, April said, we didn't start a youth ministry. For those of you around then, we didn't start a youth ministry for about six months. Are you there then? You came a bit late. And we, so we started youth ministry not until six months. What? Why? We had a youth pastor. We didn't have any youth. We didn't have any young people. And we went into the high schools, the Valley of Dry Bones. And let me tell you, there was all sorts of opposition again in the high schools. And it didn't come from the high schools. It came from the other churches. True story. That's another story. Mushroom clouds over cafes and all sorts of things. And so we're there, and 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 we're just we're just sowing. We're just labouring. We're just sowing. And we say, okay. I said, MJ. Okay. I said, son. We're going to start this youth ministry now. He's like, okay. So we go to the Federation of State in Ringwood, and he gets the worship team, and he's there, and his wife is there. No one turns up. Not one person turned up and he rings me and says, what should I do? 
I said, I want you to worship and I want you to get up and preach and prophesy to that empty room like it's full because I'm telling you they're coming. They're coming. Prophesy life. Just begin to preach. And so he, he said it was the best service he ever had. He preached his absolute heart out. The worship team, Kristen and MJ, they're worshiping. Worship team's up the front. Then they go sit down and he preaches to the worship team, the empty auditorium. He says during the week, what do you want us to do this week? I said, go back. And if no one turns up, do it again. Meanwhile, we'd been in the schools building relationships, sowing seeds. And do you know that six young people walked into that second youth ministry service? Just six, just six. But all six of them at the end of that message gave their hearts to Jesus as the first fruits of the seeds of that youth ministry. And 12 months later, there were 60 teenagers in the youth ministry. Because someone just decided that even though it didn't look good, even though it was a valley of dry bones, that young man said, I'm going to prophesy life in a valley of dry bones. And I just want to tell you today that there is a youth ministry in this church. There's a church here today because someone prophesied into the valley of dry bones. They said to me that uh, Ringwood is a pastor's graveyard. And they said, it'll never work. Well, guess what? You're here. Now you may have moved a few suburbs, but you're here. You're here. There's a building to the glory of God. And you know what? This is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. I can see God just gathering and gathering and gathering. But you know what we've got to do? We've got to be okay in the valley of dry bones. And no, it's not always going to be that valley of dry bones because we're going to bring life and we're going to prophesy life. I want you to stand to your feet with me today. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.